You're listening to the Tree Council's podcast, Life on the Hedge. In this series, we're setting you on a path to a blossoming career in nature. You'll hear from young people as they start out in conservation, forestry, horticulture and more. We'll give you the inside story on what it's really like and tell you all you need to know to start your own journey in the green sector. Hi, I'm Sasha. I'm a trainee with the Devon Rural Skills Trust. I've spent the last four years training to become a hedge layer and today I'm going to be joining one of our local instructors, Chris, and another trainee, Joseph, as we get to work laying a hedge in Ippelpen, a village near Newton Abbott. And at the heart of our series, hedgerows. These hidden heroes are the UK's largest priority habitat, supporting more than 2,000 species. But more than 50% of our hedgerows have been lost since World War II, and many of those that remain are under threat. With their carbon-guzzling, pollution-absorbing powers, hedgerows are crucial in the fight against climate change. So let's get to know them. It's a pretty chilly day. We just had a bit of hail, but the sun seems to be coming out, so hopefully that stays with us today. Ippelpen is the village where I live, so this is very convenient for me. It's only about five minutes away from my house. It's kind of in between Totnes and Newton Abbott and the cricket club is on the outskirts. It's actually fairly unusual in the sense that it's slightly uh, populated. Normally, as hedge layers, we're in the middle of a field somewhere high up. You know, it takes about 10 minutes to track to the hedge, which is on a ridge or something. So this is quite, quite luxurious, really. Today, I'm going to be helping Chris and Joseph laying the hedge. They're cracking on with that right now, but... Before I go and join them, I'm just going to share with you how I came over from Australia to the UK and started getting into hedge laying and and working on the land in general. Back in Australia, I was studying politics and philosophy and I went on to do a master's in international relations. My motivation behind studying those topics was trying to get an understanding of the world that we live in and try and change it, which sounds a bit optimistic but I really thought that understanding the troubles of the world would help me to understand how I could help basically. Although I loved studying, at the end of my degrees I felt really disempowered because I had all this information and this negative picture of the world especially with studying international politics and I felt like there was nothing I could do really. I guess I had a bit of a shock when I finished my degrees like what now you know. I had a a teaching job lined up at an English school in Totnes, but I kind of had a bit of a breakdown. Maybe I could now look at it in hindsight as a breakthrough because I basically had a moment where I was like, actually, I don't want to be doing this. I'm not happy. I don't like being indoors. I just decided to kind of quit the job and I changed a few things in my life and I went woofing which is where you work on an organic farm in exchange for accommodation and food. The reason I moved there was because I wanted to learn how to grow my own food, I wanted to experience living off-grid and I wanted to learn how to be kind of an independent human being, a person who could survive in the real world. It was also just kind of a coincidence that the guy who I was woofing with practices rural skills and his main business the way that he makes his money is through hedge laying and dry stone walling and other kinds of traditional rural skills and so in the winter I went along with him hedge laying and 
I had no idea what hedge laying was. So it was all new to me. Since coming into hedge laying and really, stu- and really getting into it, I've, I've realized the importance of, or at least the importance for me and how much it's helped me to just work on the land. And it feels to me that there's something really, really essential almost. I think anyone who has the opportunity should, should try to just get out there, whether it be in, in a community garden or, you know, volunteering, hedge laying or whatever it is, tree planting, just getting your hands in the soil and being in nature in that way is so, so useful. And we need to reconnect. All right, so I guess we should probably get on with some actual hedge laying and give Chris and Joseph a hand because they've just been doing all the work. But first, let's hear from Megan Gimba on the power of hedges. My name's Megan Gimba. I work for a charity called People's Trust for Endangered Species, and I'm the key habitats officer. What I love about looking at hedgerows for plants and for foraging is that actually what makes a good hedgerow for us in terms of, you know, food and, and forage actually also helps make a good hedgerow for wildlife. I did a biology degree and I've since worked at the Royal Botanic Gardens Kew and the Natural History Museum before moving to People's Trust for Endangered Species. And it was really at PTES where I learnt the basic ecology of hedgerows and what makes them so special and got this fantastic understanding about the sort of ancient roots of this habitat structure. So we do quite a lot of work with Dormouse Conservation. We're sort of understanding successionary habitats and the ideas behind what makes a dynamic habitat. And hedgerows are a really fantastic version of that ancient dynamic habitat that we actually think is more akin to our sort of ancient wildwood, our pre-agricultural landscape than most people believe. You know, many people think that we were closed canopy woodland before we started farming, but that isn't actually likely to be the case. And hedgerows, traditional orchards and wood pastures, all the habitats that I work with at PTES replicate that fantastic dynamic habitat structure that actually has these ancient roots. The first time you ever lay a hedge, it's like a light bulb moment. You suddenly understand the value of these forms of management. It's almost like fast forwarding time in your imagination. You can see exactly how that hedge will regrow and how it will give it a whole new lifetime. There are practical ways that you can be in hedgerow management, but there are also other ways as well. I mean, I got into hedgerows through working for an endangered species charity. And that's led me to developing apps, developing websites, developing talks. So I would say there's also a huge opportunity if you are scientifically minded to actually go out there and collect more evidence, collect more data. There's research, fantastic research at all sorts of different universities at the moment. And potentially if you're into that sort of scientific approach, see what's already been done and see what needs to do. There's a huge amount more science that that needs to happen. Hey, how's Hi. it going? Hi, Sash. Yeah. Hi, Sasha. <laughs> You're right. Looks like you guys are cracking on despite the cold. Yeah, a little bit windy, but it uh, doesn't stop a hedge layer. No. <laughs> we have Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi there. Chris is uh, one of the instructors uh, on the Devon Rural Skills Trust, and he takes some courses. And today he's holding a training day for me and Joseph. Hi, Sasha. <laughs> yeah, Joseph and I are both on the Devon Rural Skills Trust training program. Maybe it's worth you guys explaining what hedge laying actually is. So hedge laying uh, basically is is taking an old overgrown hedge 
um, laying it and when I say laying it so it's basically pleaching it uh, cutting it two-thirds of the way through to rejuvenate the, the hedge because obviously it's, it's grown up into pretty much trees uh, obviously the dormant buds thrive and what have you and make the hedge a lot bushier so that wildlife can live in it and carbon catcher is a big one at the moment so chris do you want to explain what's actually happening this morning this hedge has uh, been overstalled there's not a lot of young growth on the bottom so obviously wildlife no birds can nest in there there's quite a bit of top to it that's where you're going to get your leaf so you're not going to have a lot of stems a lot of leafage down the bottom of the trunk so obviously it's not very good for wildlife a devon hedge should be that a butterfly can fly into it but it can't actually fly through it so obviously now there's not a lot of of growth on the bank itself other than maybe ivy the odd daffodil but there's there's possibly dormant bluebells in there wild garlic is usually one that's in the banks that doesn't usually come out because it's so smothered in in ivy so but it is it is a cycle because obviously the the ivy will regrow and it'll get smothered again and then the next time it becomes laid again then obviously they'll clear off the ivy and clear it back and you'll get your primroses maybe something that's been dormant for five or six years just to add to that hedgerows can be described as wildlife highways as it stands at the moment this hedge probably isn't fantastic for wildlife from getting one end to the other but as it's laid wildlife will find it much easier to travel through one thing that happens quite often is that people see a hedge layer laying a hedge and they think that all these trees are just being cut down and then discarded and and people come up to you and say what are you doing so maybe chris you can explain yeah well strangely enough you say that uh, a couple of times i've actually been confronted by people and have actually come over and said why are you cutting the hedge down just laying it in there you're cutting it down but you're not actually killing it so you're actually encouraging new growth because you've obviously cut it two-thirds of the way through you've laid it down you try to explain them that it's it's good for the hedge and that you come back in six months time in the spring Mm. and what have you and you see the new buds growing they don't understand until and then all of a sudden they'll come round and they'll say well yeah that's looking really nice it's really nice and bushy So Joseph, you're a trainee like me, and I've explained how I got here, but how did you get into hedges? Originally I'm from Lincolnshire, I've always been kind of surrounded by the countryside, I was lucky enough to to grow up in it. I I graduated from university in in, in 2012, and since then I've always been doing a kind of office-based role, and uh, as much as I enjoy it, it's, it's, it's not where my passion lies. I think for me, mental health struggled a little bit. The outdoors, I would say, is, is my medicine. Since I moved here, I've been really trying to find something where I can you know, work in the outdoors and do something practical, hands-on. It's actually my wife that, that found the, the Devon Rural Skills Trust apprenticeship. So I started last year, did about eight or nine Saturday courses. And uh, ever since then, yeah, I've just been uh, doing my best to, to work in the hedge, really. The Devon Rural Skills Trust, they run uh, Saturday courses, I'll probably say twice a month. They vary from hedge laying, dry stone walling, gate making and various of the skills so i'd say to anyone out there that's you know wanting to experience the outdoors and these skills definitely look at the website so could you talk us through the tools that you've been using this morning joseph i think first and foremost the most important tool you can use is a hot cup of tea on a cold day like today <laughs> but uh, no seriously so i mean there are lots of tools to get i'm still fairly new to hedge laying so i still need to get quite a few myself but i think the, the kind of key things to start would be pruning saw so removing the material that you don't need from the hedge I've then got uh, just a small, a small axe, and then uh, I've also got a bill hook. That's a Yorkshire bill hook. It's a double-edged bill hook. It's really useful in the hedge. 
many different types of bill hooks, different styles depending on the region. We then get a, a Devon bill hook, which has a single edge and it's got more of a curved shape to it. I mean, we could go on for hours and hours talking about bill hooks. I think there's a Facebook group called Bill Hook Junkies out there, which is worth a look. Joseph described lots of the hand tools that we use, but obviously when you're doing it commercially, it can be quite time consuming to just cut down all the trees with axes and bill hooks. So Chris, when you're out on the job, what kind of tools do you use? My main go-to tools would be uh, obviously my, my chainsaw, my Yorkshire bill hook. I've got a pole saw, so a mechanical pole saw, chainsaw on the end of a pole. Hedge trimmer, so that people can actually see a nice finished product rather than a wispy hedge. So yeah, I do like to, to just to trim off the wispy bits at the end of the day. Just a different array of tools. There's, there's so many different tools and you could go on forever describing what tools you need because there's always somebody out there that's got a tool for the job. So Joseph, as someone who's starting your apprenticeship, what would you say to people who are wanting to get out there and get outdoors and have a go? I think there are so many reasons to, to not do it and say no, but I think you do have to push yourself and think, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. I know that after I did that, it was you know, no looking back for me, really. Working out in the outdoors you know, on a beautiful day today, the sun's shining, birds are singing, it's good company, like-minded people. So if you've got any interest in the outdoors, whether it be hiking, fishing, wherever it might be, you know, definitely give it a try. And uh, I think there's a real community feel to hedge laying at the moment. It's great working with like-minded people. And I think, you know, one of the ways that you could actually practically do that is to sign up to courses like on the Devon Rural Skills Trust, which, and there are many other courses running as well. And also just getting in touch with hedge layers. If you go on Instagram and search hedge laying, you'll find a whole bunch of them and you'll probably find some in your local area and just message them and say, can I come along and drag some brush around for a day and, and, you know, get into it and just see how it feels to be outside and having a go really absolutely yeah i, I agree with sasha just uh, yeah give it a go i think hedge laying has been more visible now than it ever has been so there are lots of courses out there i mean we are we are quite a friendly bunch we're happy more than happy to pass on our skills so we're here in in february as we get into march and spring it's no longer time for laying hedges in the summer months it's kind of important to think of something to do with your time so for me i'm trying to learn ways as a part of my training to use the brash because there's a lot of waste products that come out of the hedge while waste in inverted commas which you can use for all sorts of things and i'm trying to learn how to make things with the brush so i'm doing a bit of kind of green woodwork on the side making little hedgerow stools things like that also i'm looking into doing basketry and just kind of trying to make sure that I'm still doing something in the summer months which is outdoors using something which I'm, I'm in contact every day with and trying to make a bit of a living off selling those products or you know maybe in the future running workshops when I've got that skill together. If we can reconnect with the natural world we can reconnect with ourselves and we can reconnect with each other and we can learn from the natural world the things that we can't really learn in a book you know we can learn about life and death and about cycles and about you know sacrifice and giving and taking and reciprocity and all these things which are which are lacking in the world this is one way which we can really awaken that in ourselves I'm at the beginning of my journey and it's still really exciting for me but my aims going forward is to bring people to the land who feel like they don't have a place here because that's how I felt. I didn't feel... I grew up in a city. I, I had, like, a kind of, I guess, an academic background. 
I want people who were in that same situation, or at least who have, who feel that way as well, to know that they can just pick up a tool and, and try and you'll get there and you'll learn it. And it's so, so rewarding and so empowering to have this kind of ability to, to work with your body. I always felt more masculine than I did feminine, but I also always felt like the kind of gender binaries were really imposing on what I thought that I could do as a person in a female body. And I'm really proud of myself for overcoming that barrier. As a queer person growing up in the world, it can sometimes be difficult to know where you fit. I guess, you know, everyone has that experience in one way or another, and it's not just a queer experience. But I do feel like there is a particular lack of queer people in the countryside because I think it feels safer a lot of the time to be in your community, which is often in the city. There shouldn't be reason for that. And also people of colour. I think it's really important that we bring a more diverse range of people into this world because you, you've got different perspectives, you've got different life experiences that you can bring into it. And also you just, it's just beneficial for us all and there should be no barrier to that. What's been really useful for me as I've been getting more and more into hedge laying and working on the land, there is quite a lot of stuff going on especially online, like if you are on Instagram or something, there are loads of people who you can search or just, you know, you find one person and then you find their friends and whatever. And there are lots of amazing organisations. And, you know, just the other night, I think Megan Gimba was speaking on a regenerative women on the land event, which she was talking all about hedgerows, which was really cool. And there were other people on that event talking about how they do hedge laying. And I was just thinking, oh, I'd like to meet them. So in a nutshell, hedges are amazingly important for biodiversity, for carbon capture and incredibly useful as well as barriers and edges for fields and farmers and also the brush is incredibly useful and basically they're just amazing. Thanks for chatting with me, Joseph and Chris and sorry I've just been chatting away all morning and <laughs> not uh, letting you get, get to work but I guess we probably should get the hedge laid. So if you want to find out more about hedges, head to treecouncil.org.uk forward slash life on the hedge, where we've put together some helpful resources and links. And you can also find some tips and advice on the humble hedgerows. Thanks for joining us in Ipplepen today. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Found this episode interesting? We hope it's inspired you. Share it with a friend and give us a shout out on social media with the hashtag LifeOnTheHedge. How about rating and reviewing our show on your podcast app? Not only does it help people find out about the show, but it also means you can help us celebrate how important our humble hedgerows are to the world. We'd also like to thank the partners who made this series possible. The Tree Council created Life on the Hedge as part of the Close the Gap programme funded by the government's Green Recovery Challenge Fund. The fund is being delivered by the National Lottery Heritage Fund in partnership with Natural England and the Environment Agency.